Cinema Talks with your host Tina Desiree Berg and Jason LaCory. So today on B Cinema Talks, we have our special guest Monique Parent joining us. Hey Monique, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm very excited actually to have you on a guest this week because you and I sort of came up at the same time in the film industry in the 90s. And I appreciate that you've gone on to do this recent uh, YouTube series about going gray and beauty in older age. And it's a great series, and I think you're doing a great job representing what older women can be in film at, at you know, around 50. You can still be sexy. You. You're still viable. And it's, um, I think it's a great role model sort of uh, episodes to step into for the younger girls that are coming up. So let's talk a little bit about that, and then I'd like to go back and talk about some uh, old school stuff as well. Awesome. So what, what, gave you, what gave you the idea to do the, the uh, Going Gray? Is that the name of the series or just part of it? No, that's just kind of the target. It, it... Hi there, my name is Monique Parent, and I am going to teach you how to go gray. I started going gray naturally when I was about 17. So I have been coloring my hair for over 30 years, and it feels like I've been chasing that white stripe in the top of my head forever. I decided that I wanted to go with my natural gray color, but my options for going gray naturally are pretty much shave my head and start over. And my hair is pretty short, but I'm not really ready to shave my head. And the other option is to just let that white stripe get wider and wider and wider, and that's not very attractive. Every hairdresser that I talked to wanted me to blend the gray but not embrace the gray. So I'm going to show you how to embrace the gray. What I did was I... You know, I had a YouTube channel. Uh, I started it in 2007. And it was doing healthy eating, healthy... You know, I, I was selling blenders at the time, so people, a lot of people yeah. were asking me about <laughs> recipes. So it was sort of a way of sharing the recipes that, that were the same things that I was making in demonstrations and then also building on that for people who had already purchased one of the machines, really just so that they kind of felt supported and had, had a mm -hmm. source for right. what to do with this new fancy machine they got. Nobody ever really watched them. I, I had that, that <laughs> stupid channel for uh, eight years. And in eight mm -hmm. years, I had, I think, 787 subscribers. Okay. Over the course of eight years. 
Then uh, when I moved back to Los Angeles, I, I stepped away from the business for a couple of years, sort of inadvertently. I didn't mean to be out of the business, but sometimes life just takes over. Right, right. When I got back into it, I still looked the same that I always had. And I thought, this is the time to make a change. When you're mm-hmm. coming back is the time to make a change. I don't want to come back and be the same thing. I want to come back and be something different. Right. So I decided to stop coloring my hair. And I tried to dye it gray a couple of times. My hair was really short at the time because it was super thrashed and damaged. And it just never quite took the gray dye. It kept going back to an ash blonde. And mm-hmm. I'd still see the roots coming in. And I, all the research I did, because I did, I spent 10 years researching how to go gray. And the two right. schools of thought were, you just stop coloring it and let it grow in, and you have that horrible line of demarcation, and it's basically yeah. just a commitment to feeling ugly every day of your yeah. life for two to three years. Mm. I mean, that's yeah, it would take that long to up. grow it out. Yeah, plus yeah, you get the patchiness. The, yeah, it's just, and it's never pretty. It always looks drab until until the woman finally cuts off the old dyed hair and then it looks brilliant and sparkly when it's just the silver and healthy. So I didn't want to, I couldn't do that as an actor. And the other option is shave your head. And I have a dip (laughs) in the top of my head and and, and it's, I'm not going to look good bald. No, but I did (laughs) decide to go with an extremely short haircut, something really edgy. I had my hairdresser bleach out every bit of existing color so that it was white and then I made my own video where I applied a, a manic panic to it in a shade mm. that was more of a purpley periwinkle blue, mm-hmm. which I knew would fade to silver. I knew that if I dyed it silver, it was going to fade to blonde. But if I took it that couple of steps past silver into the lavender range, that mm-hmm. while it might be lavender for a few days, it was going to fade. And I thought, well, let me just get a friend to come over and shoot a video. And Mark Pirro, who mm-hmm. directed uh, Buford's Beach Bunnies. Cheater Buford's rich and never had a date. Let me out him. Buford's Beach Bunnies. They're all trying to be Buford's first. Okay, now the pants. Cheater's dad is real rich and wants to help. My son is not crazy. But all the girls think he is, because Cheater's a deeply troubled young man. You ever dealt with sexual misfortunes? So, your father tells me you have a little problem with women. Your shyness with women is beyond comprehension. Forget it, that boy's a hopeless case. Nobody knows when it happened. Don't go in there, kid. If you do, you'll regret it. Or how it happened. I know what you're thinking. Did something really happen to you in that room, or was it all in the mind? But something happened. And since then, Jeter's been acting kind of strange. The girls are really trying to help Jeter and themselves. There must be somebody out there that could make you normal. Yes, and it's all up to the bunnies. Jim Hanks in Buford's Beach Bunnies. Right. Way back in 91, Way back. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. He came over and he shot the video for me and edited it. And it was awesome. 
And then I threw, because I got, I got one shot at this. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but let's find out. I threw it up on YouTube, and then I promptly took off. forgot about it. Three <laughs> months later, I looked at it, and it had 25,000 views. And that's when I realized, wow. oh, people want to know about this just as much as I yeah. did. Yeah. So by using myself as the example, I just, what, what are the questions that I have? Let me answer those for, uh, for me. And by answering mm-hmm. them for me, I'm answering them for other people. Because I didn't know what eyebrow shade to wear. Now that I had gray hair and I was living with it for a while, I opened up Vogue magazine and they didn't tell me what eyebrow color to wear. No right. magazine did. There, I was not represented anywhere. No. And that was also no. part of why I decided to do this channel. Because I thought, let me just play with makeup. Because I've learned some stuff in the movie business, even though I'm not a makeup artist. But I'll just play with colors, and I don't mind making a fool of myself. I don't care. Right. If, if I do something and it looks bad, that doesn't bother me. Right. Actually, people, it's a great video. I've seen it. Thank you. Other people will um, see themselves reflected in me. They can decide for themselves. These are grown-ass women. They're 50 years old. <laughs> they can decide, <laughs> oh, that, that shade of eyeshadow does not work on a gray-haired woman. Right. Thank you very right. much for showing that to me, Monique. I will never buy that now. It's like, <laughs> that's fine. Let me, do, let me do a bunch of the wrong things because you're a grown-up and you can assess for yourself whether you like it or not. I will just be the canvas. No, and it's so true. I mean, as, you know, as, as older women, uh, by older I mean our age, around 50, it's amazing. You have so much more confidence, and uh, you really don't give a shit about whatever somebody is trying to tell you is the latest trend because you're confident in yourself. You know what looks good on you at that point, and it just doesn't matter anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, kind and of I great think like a lot of people are used to um, YouTubers sort of pandering to them. Oh, this is great. You need to buy this. Oh, you need – and, and like – Look, here it is. Yeah. I'm just showing it to you. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you if it's great or not. You can decide for yourself. You have your right. own brain. You have your own thoughts, and I give you absolute credit for that. And it doesn't matter what I say because I am not right. You are not right. We are both right. Right. One of the things that really works about your videos, I think, is that when you're doing the makeup stuff, you start with your face completely clean. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the makeup tutorials you see, people already have some makeup on because they're going to be on camera. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know. And I, I, it's ugly. And people make ugly <laughs> comments. I mean, I, I will have. You know, I don't I think have it's ugly. I think it's skin. confidence. Well, it's, it, it, it's what is. You know, exactly. my face tends to be very pink. And it's mm. hypersensitive. If I splash water on my face, my face instantly goes red. It's right. water. <laughs> I mean, if I touch right. my face, it goes red. So my face is pink and blotchy. I have acne-prone skin. So I almost mm-hmm. always have some spot that's fading that I'm dealing with. So it's, I also think it's important being a part of the media where we present this image of perfection all the time. And I'm also making, mm-hmm. I'm making TV commercials. I'm, I'm doing print ads. I am nice. part of the media that's telling people that they need to fix themselves, which is so right. messed up. Right. So I kind of like showing, no, I'm not perfect. I'm so right. far from perfect. Here are all my flaws. I'm just like you. Now let's, now let's show you the artifice and 
you know, it's really just smoke and mirrors. But you wear it with such confidence that I think it helps people. Thank you. Thank you. Right. No, and it also shows younger girls that it's okay to be normal. You know, for a long time in media, we didn't have – all we had were these distorted images, especially in the 90s. Everything was retouched. I mean, they still are now, but now we have other sources of, of knowledge where we know, oh, they used Adobe Photoshop. They made her arms longer. They made her chin tighter. They made her eyes yeah. sparkle. You know, so you can see where they've adjusted these photos where they're no longer real. They're, they're super real. So, uh, you know, and it's, it's tough if you're a young girl and you look at those images and they're, they're absolutely not attainable and you don't understand why you don't look like that. It's like, yeah. well, it's not real. Yeah, it's completely yeah. artificial. I love the fact that you see so many young women in the, who are popular in pop culture today, musicians mm-hmm. or actresses, who are taking a stand against their own images being photoshopped. Exactly. I, I exactly. Think I think it's an so important example. Yeah, I do too. It makes it, you know, it makes it more realistic. What, it, what, what beauty is? What is um, normal? What's attainable? So, um, so let's talk a little bit. I want to flash back and talk a little bit about Femme Fatale magazine back in the nineties. Uh, oh, you and way I were back in the day. <laughs> yeah, you and I were both associated uh, yeah. with that magazine. What, what are some of your good stories and what are some of your bad experiences with the magazine? I think we all had a little bit of both. Um, you know. Um, not it's my career has been interesting I was never as popular as a lot of the the women that were my contemporaries back in the day so I I remember a lot of them would be featured much more prominently in the magazine than I was I was not Mm -hmm. written about in the magazine a whole lot um I was it seems like you were Am I wrong? What? I guess I'm wrong on that. You were in the same issue I was, I know, on one uh, with Julie Strain. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, I, I was with Julie, yeah. Um, okay. It, I guess maybe that's, that's just how we always, we always feel that other people are getting more attention than we are. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> that's true. And Julie did get a lot yeah. of attention, let's be honest. <laughs> well, let's face it. She was six feet tall and worth a climb. Exactly, exactly. And she always wore those large platform heels, which made her. I, I have some photos of her and I, and I'm not super short. I'm not tall, tall, but I'm not super short. And she's literally like a foot and a half taller than I am. It's like, wow. <laughs> I have pictures of her with my ex-husband on oh, the gosh. set of a film. And she is a full head taller than him. Oh, yeah. And in one picture, she flipped back her cape and she was topless in a corset, an underbust corset. So she's yeah. just, a, I mean, and she's in heels. So right. my ex-husband was what, 5'11", and Falling she's 6'1", now wearing seven-inch heels. Yep. And her breasts are right next to his head, and each breast <laughs> is larger than his head. And he would show that to people so proudly, and, and they'd be like, what does your wife think of this? And he's like, well, who yes. do you think took the picture? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so classic. I love it. Um, but, you know, I did love you have... Julie. She was always yeah, so I did fun too. to work with. Yeah, I have a lot of love for Julie. I did a couple of films with her. In fact, um, you did a film with Jeff Fry, who I also did a film with called Bikini Hotel that Julie Strain was also a co-star in. 
And I believe you guys have the same DP, Ed Tillman, on this film. It was uh, yeah. uh, Bloodthirsty. What do you think about vampires? You want to drink my blood? It's a very trusting, intimate experience. A sensual experience that leads to a lustful addiction. So how did you like doing it? I liked it. An ancient, unholy craving. A thirst that can only be quenched with the forbidden wine of life that creates an irresistible compulsion that excites the tongue, climaxing in uncontrollable urges that can only end in a bloody horror show. Take it from me! Bloodthirsty. I loved that yeah. film. Nobody else really did, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought it was an interesting crossover that you literally worked with the same group of folks that I did. Um, yeah. Do you have any fun st- stories from the set on that one? You know, it was... <clears throat> We had a month-long shoot on that. Okay. And we moved at, um, it was very, very carefully art-directed every step of the way. And it was Mm -hmm. very stylized. Um, Ultimately, I think the pacing on the movie was too slow for most people's taste. Okay. Um, They just didn't quite understand it. Um, Mm. We had we had a really good time. I smoked cigarettes back then, and okay. the only time we could smoke was during a scene. So it became this thing where I'd have <laughs> Are a your cigarette. <laughs> yeah, I'd have a cigarette, and it'd be like, you know, I'm not entirely sure that Whitney's not smoking in this scene, so maybe I should have a cigarette while while we're rehearsing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know. Everybody else on it became this thing where everybody else on set would just have a cigarette while we were rehearsing, and they'd all say, "You know, I'm not entirely sure that Whitney's not smoking in this scene, so I'm just going to have this lit and ready in case you need it." Right. <laughs> oh my God. That's hysterical. What that was like? What 1996, 97? I'm guessing. Gosh. Um, yeah. Somewhere I'd around there. 90s. Yeah. I was 32, so yeah, I'd say 97. Interesting. Now, what, what, did, uh, what did Jeff shoot that on, 60 millimeter? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, we did Bikini Hotel on 16. He, we did, in fact, we even shot better than 16. We shot it on short ends, 60 millimeter short ends. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's better than 16. <laughs> Because you have to stop every Jordan, three minutes. Back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that was a shoot. <laughs> that was like, you know, and they saved, um, Stella Stevens was also in the film and, and Julie Strain. So they saved all the longest short ends for those two. So I pretty much got stuck. Me and JJ North got stuck with all the shit short ends. It was like, really? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, we're doing 30 second takes. <laughs> Except if you go with the 32 seconds, it's right too much. First time. <laughs> I can't, honestly, I can't believe Cinemax bought that film. I was like, really? <laughs> That was like a big thing for them, that movie. No, they played it, it all it the turned time. Out to be this, yeah, it turned into this like big thing, and I, have, I still can't understand why because it's such oh, – look, it's so bad it's good. It's funny. I get it. But at the same time, you're like, really? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> um, 
And so, Lonie, what is your favorite of all time films that you've done? Would it be something further back in time in the 90s or something more recent? You know, my favorite film is pretty much almost always the most recent one that I've worked on. Okay. Um, over the years, I've, I've found that, you know, it just always seems to be the last thing, the freshest thing in my brain, unless it was some, like, really horrendous disaster, uh, which has happened. Like but, Lab Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lab Day was a party, wasn't it? It was. Oh. The party it that never ends. you guys worked on together? Yeah, when we were doing Jack versus Lanterns, it, it ran uh, like 20 hours on Lab Day. We oh, had, my God. It was extraordinary. Had, sometimes you work with one person who just throws everything off kilter. And, uh, well, and I did try to squeeze 16 pages into it. (laughs) Well, yeah. 16 pages into one day, you nut? Well, it was 14. Yeah, it was was 14, but then we had some other pages that we got, the wind blew the set down before we got to finish, so we had to do that on green screen. (laughs) Which turned out amazing, by the way. Really? I couldn't believe how, yeah, I mean, I got to get rid of a little bit of green around your hair, but the, the, the way it blended into the rest of the scene is just outstanding. I couldn't believe it. I was astounded. Just be glad and, I had a wig on, because can you imagine trying to do green screen around this white fluff on my head? Well, as long as you're, as long as, as long as you're far enough away from the green screen, it's not too bad, but yes. Because the, the white hair reflects it. Cast that you have to color correct. If it's too blonde, yeah. Am I wrong on that? Yeah. yeah. If if you're too close to the screen, or if the lights are too heavy and reflect it off, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's in, a in my art to that, I'm excited. Yeah, I should have used blue. Mm, for that. Blue but, screen. There you go. Yeah. Well, my blue's a matte finish too, so it works a little better. Okay. But we had somebody was wearing black. No. Oh, that's a tough. It's, no, um, Brewer was wearing yeah, blue was jeans black, for that scene. I was in black all over the place. Yeah, no, it was Brewer's blue jeans. I couldn't use the blue screen oh, for that Oh, because shot. it matched the blue screen too bad, but you had to have the green. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and I went off on a tangent there. You, yeah, I know, but it was kind of, kind of interesting. <laughs> so you had to match it to his wardrobe that he'd been wearing outside, and he couldn't, so it had to be these blue jeans, I'm guessing? Exactly. Okay, I actually okay. just, I just recently cheated on a scene that was holding me up because my character was wearing blue jeans. And the pumpkin monster had green on him, so I couldn't use the green screen, couldn't use the blue the screen. Pumpkin I'm like, the, of course, <laughs> and not just any pumpkin, the pumpkin monster. The um, pumpkin monster. The yeah, and and we just recently shot it. Finally, I'm like, you know what? I'm wearing black jeans. It takes place at night. Nobody will be able to tell. It's not just the blue jeans in the dark. Gotcha. It's better than having so, you know my legs disappear. If they're That's looking no, at your enough. jeans, then something's going wrong. That's true. So, what was your character in this film? Mine? In, in Jack yeah, vs. Lantern, yeah. yeah. In Jack vs. Lanterns. Um, gosh, what was her name again? Tiffany Banks. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany Banks. <laughs> Tiffany Banks was the lovely, sweet, and kind bride. Okay, I'm, I've already gone too far. <laughs> No giving, um, in, no giving away. She, she is determined to keep uh, Brewer's character alive at any cost. Okay. 
Well, at any cost. At any cost. It, most of the time, <laughs> kind of, give or take. Until she can prove he didn't change his will. <laughs> yeah. Or that he nice. did, rather. I don't know which is, yeah. It's, um, basically, she, she's really the main villain in this one. But we had to relate, but, but we, she comes in as the ex, the, the not quite ex-wife because he died before he had a chance to divorce her <laughs> um, of the villain from the last movie. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. And, and, and I was I the, so Melania Trump. Yes. Oh, and so the thing was, I wrote the, I wrote the character specifically for Monique because I had been trying to work with her forever. And I realized I was getting on the cusp of, if I don't work with her now, she's never going to work on my level again. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, God love you. so, um, we love your level. Jason. I, I, it, it's an interesting level. So I wrote the part for, it, but I left it, you know, I left it kind of rough around the edges. And so the character is at least 50% her creation. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Over the top bitch. Completely over the top. Yeah. Nice. So what, did you bring any interesting um, uh, aspects of that creation? What, what, were, what were the things that you added to the script that weren't there, I should say? Um, probably an exceeding amount of hand gestures. Yeah, hand gestures. all of them. <laughs> I, can, I cannot speak without my hands. Look, I'm just, you can't even see this. I'm gesturing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, if you put, if I put, if I put my hands under my like, now I can't talk. Never. Yeah, right. yeah, it's done. <laughs> I, I I talk so much with my hands, so I don't think Jason was was prepared for my flying arms. That's they're funny. all over the place. No, that caused a bit oh, of a problem funny. on the blue screen, you know, because the blur they just disappear. They're moving that fast. They're like helicopter hands. <laughs> yeah, they're just they're everywhere. Um, um, that and the she she actually changed the character's look a little bit because I just you know planned on the character looking like her and she was like no I'm gonna have more fun with it oh yeah I I made right? her look like I I made her look like the 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 rich pampered woman I mean I yeah. wear a yeah. coat for everything I'm in a mink coat all the time and I always have extra large diamonds nice you know I'm I'm always in Black because I'm in mourning, of course, for my husband. Right. Yeah, that was. Well, except, yeah, except then at the, that one thing at the end when you decided to go to the gala. Oh, I don't. Know. Yeah. So then we're gonna get it. Then we're gonna get into spoilers. But yeah, so it was. Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> so there's all <laughs> what, did that. Did it still come out? Um, it hasn't yet, and it should have come out last October. So we're. <laughs> all right. So you're very very soon. Okay. Yeah. Very very. It'll be born it'll when it's ready. It'll be there born you know. when it's ready. It's uh, it's all it's all the director holding it up now. It's and I'll be funny. honest, a very large part of it was, <laughs> a very large part of it was I had scenes that I needed to to shoot of just me. Mm. Okay. And I, so I put those till the last. I'm like, okay, I need to shoot these scenes. And then I got really, really, really fat. Like in the movie, people are gonna be like, this is what he thought was not fat. It, no, I was fatter than I am in the movie. So. <laughs> There's actually one sequence where I finally gave up losing weight again because Christmas came in between. I, so I, there, the, la, the first movie, Lumber vs. Jack, and this one both, I gain and lose 20 pounds. That's a, yeah, that's a bit, actually. On screen. <laughs> so it's noticeable. <laughs> like, okay, like, you walk, 
into the room at one weight and you walk out of the room at out another the other. <laughs> Yeah, it's like pretty much. So you can always yeah, tell when I'm... Like, I want that diet. <laughs> yeah, you can always tell when I'm heavier because I've got the, uh, the flannel tied really, really, really tight around my gut. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And I talk like this, yeah. Well, I was going to say, more recently, um, you worked on Magic Funhouse. And we go live in five, four, three, two. Good morning, boys and girls. Hi, Mr. Marble. I guess it all started about a year ago. Fresh-faced and eager to start my first job on set, I had no idea what reality awaited me. Got this, Dave? Don't worry, sir. I'll do my best. Don't fuck up my show. I put everything into this show and I'm not gonna let some piece of shit production assistant ruin it for me! Arlo, the kids have been waiting for autographs? And they shall receive one. Why do you want to work here? Because television is my dream. Magic! Good morning, boys and girls. Again? You're welcome. We still have camera two. She says it's important. This place is falling apart. How did that get there? You think I enjoy doing this stupid kid show? I enjoyed the f***ing, the f***ing kid show. Magic Funhouse is some sort of kid show, right? Well, I thought it was a porno. I spent a long time trying to find a successful oh. career in television. They told me all I had to do was be kind and work hard. How am I supposed to feel now that I know that's not true? Get your hands off me, pig! You're a asshole! Don't get me wrong, I love beautiful, plump, round women. But you're just three skinny bitches with other bitches inside you. We're gonna get through this together. I'm making sure we're banned from the airwaves! Did we get all that? Was a, a really fun series that I got to be a part of. And uh, it was on full screen, which was a streaming network. And people go, mm-hmm. oh, what is that? And I'm like, yeah, don't ask me to explain it. I'm 52 years old. Like, it's, it's find somebody 20 years younger. <laughs> um, but apparently a lot of people felt that way because they dropped their streaming. Uh, but it was, it was a wonderful experience. And I'm super glad that I got to be a part of it. Um, but he's always, he's, his career has just taken off. The man is so brilliant and so funny and it's going to be fun to watch the career that he has. Oh, okay. So that wasn't your favorite. What was your favorite of all time films then? You were going to tell um, us. Before well, we... right now I recently worked on a film that I'm really not at liberty to talk to you about at this okay. point, but I just got to work on it. It's, it's an indie film. It's a very heavy drama um, that's very mm-hmm. uh, deals with a lot of the stuff that we see on the media, 
and my part was very edgy and very scary. And it was one of those, it was one of those parts where when the audition comes across, across your, your email, you look at it, you're like, do I even want to audition for this? Oh, yeah, I've had a few of those. <laughs> I totally understand. And you, you read the script and you go, this is a really good script. Do I want to play this character? Do I want the world to see me in this way? Do I think I can be part of this story and tell it better? Do I have, do I have thoughts and, and feelings that I think I can bring to this part that other people can't? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so many of things with this is like, do I even want to do it? And then I decided I did, and then I auditioned, and then I didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. So I was like, well, fine. That didn't work. Right. And then, then there was a, a callback, and they wanted me to put something on, a scene on tape showing some different mm-hmm. flavors. So I did, and then I didn't hear anything. And mm-hmm. then I talked to the director, and finally I got it, and we had all this angst about whether we would color my hair or not for this role. Um, which was was very surprisingly emotional for me because mm. uh, I have colored my hair my whole life. And, yeah. and every time I'd work on a part, they'd go, hey, can you have blue hair for this? You bet. Let's go. Let's dye it. Uh, nobody ever let me have blue hair, though. Yeah. Blonde, actually. Blonde and red. <laughs> Wanted blue, but nobody would go for it, and I'm still open to it. Just saying, for the right. Time. I will keep that in mind. Project, I, I right, let's blue. let's do a blue hair movie. <laughs> See, <laughs> I like it. Cool purple. I'm I'm really open. Um. So, but this character had to be blonde. There, there's, mm-hmm. you know, this character does not have gray hair. This character has blonde hair. And. You know, were we going to wig? Were we going to not wig? Could we? So we lots of emotional drama with with just getting to the point of of doing this character, and then the just the process of shooting was so wonderful. It was, I mean, when I say wonderful, I mean hell. Uh, right. It rained. It <laughs> rained the whole time. My wardrobe was nothing but sundresses. Oh no! You know the usual stuff that happens. Yeah. You, you could just see the, the look in the director's face as it's raining every day. And he wrote a movie that takes place in sunny Southern California. Oh, my God. You know, you're, every, every shot that you've imagined for years is completely different now. Mm-hmm. Um, scenes that you imagined outside can no longer take place outside. There's like so mm-hmm. many things having to change. Uh, my boyfriend, who... We haven't been together for very long. He had never really, he doesn't know anything about the film business. Um, okay. He was very, it was a really big learning experience for him. He seemed to imagine that we shoot things under ideal conditions mm-hmm. and not that we can take what we can get. Well, there is a level of filmmaking that that happens. Yeah. Not ours, um, Yeah, there is no. that level. Two, but that is $200 million dollar movies now. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, no, we'll just wait for a sunny day. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets paid, but we're yeah. going to wait. That's yeah, so this funny. This does not have it. And he was just, I, it's like this train that just keeps going. And it just doesn't, there is nothing that's going to stop it. No matter what gets in its way, it's just going to keep going. Like, yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. You just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. No, you do. Yeah. You get the best you can and, and then 
just you have to work with what you have, you know. I mean, especially back in the day when you were shooting on film and you didn't have digital production, if yeah. something went wrong in the scene, that was that. <laughs> you could I believe to keep that's shooting. where the magic happens. I yeah. think that, you know, you plan all of this and then God, the universe, whatever you'd like to call it, sprinkles her own little magic on it. Right. <laughs> It's true. You know, um, true. You, you've planned all of these things, and that's great. Now I'm going to put another flavor that you didn't expect. Right. Yes, the obstacles are what separates the, the filmmakers from the hobbyists. Yeah. That, true. You know. That's where it gets real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's, you know, some movies, I mean, do get stopped. I, I had one, you know, we lost a 100-acre um, hunting campground because the guy stopped paying his lease on it before he – <laughs> he didn't tell us. Oh, are you so we lost our location after one day of shooting. We were locked out. Oh. And, and that, was, that would have oh. been a lot to rewrite differently. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah, which is why right. now I've always made sure I have a big backyard with lots of trees. Right. Um, well, yeah, you know, but it's a great location. It's the number yeah. one thing. You write for your location. Yeah. Mm, yep. Yeah, everyone, everyone likes to write their movie in this ideal setting, but then they can never get it made. It's like you find out where right. you've got where you've exactly. got to shoot and then you write right. your movie to shoot there. I yeah. agree. I agree. Start with your resources and, and move outward. Otherwise you're not gonna yeah. get it done. I think that's true. So what what is the worst film you've been in? Is there one that sticks out as particularly bad? I mean, we've all been in bad films here, so no judgment. <laughs> there was a what, film that I shot in Massachusetts, the director, first off, the director misrepresented himself as being related mm. to somebody very famous. Right. So, you know, okay. you believe that you're like, oh, okay, you're related to Francis Ford Coppola. Then, okay, right. you've got, you know, the, you, you, you know something. It's like, and there, he's on the other side of the country, so you're, it's not like I can drive yeah. to his backyard and check it out. Um, yeah, it was such a horrendous production. They treated me so terribly. When I arrived, there was a huge storm. They locked, they sent me to my hotel and promptly mm-hmm. forgot about me for three days. Oh, what? I didn't have per diem. I didn't have any You're money on me. me. I didn't have transportation. I was living oh on apples that I got from the maid. Wow. Oh when we God. finally got into shooting, I was treated so terribly and I'm not you know I am not a diva no no I moved not your own tree you know it's I am not one of those it's like no I could only have Evian water to bathe in you know I'm not that kind of person so it, it was just it was so horrible and I reached the breaking point I reached the point where it's like you know what I have one scene left to do, and I'm not doing it. That scene doesn't even need me in it. I am literally in this scene, just the director was also acting in it, and I think I had Mm. one or two lines in the scene that were literally to feed his ego. (laughs) Oh, you're so strong. Oh, goodness, you know, my hero, some some stupid thing in some stupid fight scene in a bar that really had nothing to do to drive the story. And I had just hit the wall, and I went, I'm not doing it. And I left. Yeah. I Good left, for you. got in that car, and I left the city. And I, you know, went to Boston. 
What did, he, uh, did, he, did he still edit it and, and release the film? I'm assuming he did. He did. He did still edit it. He released the film. He never paid me. He tried to yeah. sue me for a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> he tried to what now? He tried to sue me for a quarter of a million dollars. That's ridiculous. So for the scene you didn't. Somebody, every time somebody sends me a copy of this movie, hey, will you autograph this for me? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I didn't even get paid on this. Wow. I had yeah. extensive legal fees because of this. Because this guy couldn't take it, take the blow to his ego. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a horrendous production. Yeah. You know, I hate guys like that, but I kind of have to yeah. thank them sometimes for, for making us look good. They make you look yeah. good. Exactly, Jason. We, really can, good. we can serve you cookies <laughs> and just make sure your check's clear, and all of a sudden we're, you know, a step yeah. up. Yeah. That's yeah. No, absurd. these guys are out there. They're, they're unfortunately more of them. And you made me a steak and admit. gave me one. What's that? You made me a steak. Oh, yeah, we did. We did. Wine. We made you. I got a. I, I still owe you another steak. I overcooked those. But. Steaks? <laughs> yeah. Steaks okay. Steaks. 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 Yeah, I promised her steaks when we were no, negotiating. I said that you like vampire steaks or something. I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, so we. No, those are a little tough. Chewy. Right? I was like, wait, what? We didn't know we didn't know if, if Chai was going to get along with everybody, and so we put them all up at the cabin. We right. shot off season on purpose, and then the you know of course it snows, knocks right. out the power on on Monique. Thank God Riley was there with the car. They're driving back, and this is why I'm saying when she says, "You know, I'm not a diva." She literally got out of the car. There's video of Monique getting out of the car and moving a tree off the road. I love. So that she in my pajamas. In her pajamas. And the big coat. Yeah, wow. so they couldn't get ready. Yeah. Uh, so that so they were on their way here for that. So so I mean that she dealt with just fine. Think about that. Yeah. That's <laughs> they even took care of themselves. That was just an adventure. Yeah, but I've actually seen traffic stop here because a tree fell across the highway. I mean, you. <laughs> yeah, that's probably more common than not in that area. Oh yeah, well especially yeah. up by the cabin. We. I mean, most Absolutely, people just yeah. drive over them. Depends on how big the tree is. Depends on how big the car is. <laughs> yeah, that too. Maybe a combination of both. Yeah, we do, have, we do have one neighbor with a Prius who has to kind of stop every so often. But. Yeah, my car would not go over a tree. <laughs> no. <laughs> mine, mine would not go over a tree. Exactly. No, your cars are adorable, though. For where you guys are, your cars yeah. are perfect. So, Monique, what was your first film, or how did you um, originally get involved with acting? Well, I originally, I was three and a half years old, and I announced to my parents that I wanted to do dancing, that I wanted ballet and tap and, oh, right and dancing like that. So I, I pestered them into it. So I started performing at age three and a half. I did, uh, my first play was something at, the, at Cal Poly, uh, their theater department in San Luis Obispo. Okay. Yeah. So my, next, my next real play where I had, like, a character with a name uh, opening night was my 11th birthday. Aww. Uh, and that was Fiddler on the Roof in, at the San Luis Obispo uh, Little Theater. Oh, right on. And it was just sort of what I always wanted to do. My mm-hmm. first 
my first experience on the set of a movie was working as an extra on My Blue Heaven in San Luis Obispo. Vincenzo. Former gangster Vincent Vinnie Antonelli. I'm a new man. Is being placed under federal protection. Not the old me. Hidden in suburbia. This is the new me. Assigned his own personal FBI agent. Now, this is a real nice house. It's one of the nicest we've ever moved anyone like you into. Hey, Linda, what do you think? I always promised you a nice house somewhere in America. Let's not get carried away, okay, Vinny? Uh, it's gonna be a lot easier if you two start calling each other Terry and Todd. It's a nice house, Terry, okay? No, you're Terry and he's Todd. When will will call Thanks for everything, I really appreciate it. And even is nice. This is my job, I get paid. You don't tip FBI, man. Sure you do. That leads you to mine. The man is a government asset. He has to testify at two major mob trials in New York in the immediate future. Being in the witness protection program may save Vinny's life. Boom. I just want you to keep your nose clean. Capiche? You trying to say capiche? Yeah. Well, don't do it, because it hurts my ears when you do it. But who's going to save the suburbs from Vinny? You know, it's dangerous for you to be here in the frozen food section. Why is that? Because you could melt all this stuff. The comedy that asks the question, can an urban hood find suburban hood? Would you like to try a vanilla brand oat crunchy? What do you think? Steve Martin, Rick Moranis. Have a nice day. Up yours. Oh, was that shot there? Yeah. Did not know that. And I got, you know, I got to have conversations. In fact, it was interesting. I was hired as an extra, but every scene that I got put in, uh, one of the leading ladies would have me removed from. So eventually I was Carol Kane's stand-in. Oh, nice. Which is kind of nice because I, I just hung out and talked to people, and that's how I that's good pay, met too. a lot of actors, and I got to talk to people about where to study. And when I found out a place where to study in L.A., I sort of just focused on that. And within, within a year, I was moving to Los Angeles. Okay. And uh, going to study at the Beverly Hills Playhouse. My first film was Secret Game. But now you should have received my little present. Now, who the hell are you? Julianne is rich and lonely. She is an object of desire, beautiful and afraid, with passions that are only dreams and silent desires to play secret games. But secret games have no rules. No complications, no emotional ties. There are no obligations here. Here you get to experiment. I wouldn't know what to do. We'll teach you. I have never done anything like this before. Remember, we don't do anything here that doesn't feel right. Way. Not yet. Shouldn't you be a little bit more careful? We don't know anything about this man. 
Let's try something different today. There's nothing to worry about. Hey, is that a bruise? No. Why did you do that? From the moment I first saw you, I knew that I must have you. That I must own you. You will belong to me and nobody else. And you will do everything I tell you to. I have to know who he is. It's too dangerous, Julian. I don't like it. I hope you know what you're doing. I'll give you $100,000 if you leave your husband. Now she must run from a past that is ever near. You think I didn't see you following me? Living with a love she must now fear. One way or another, you're mine. Hungry for the heat of passion's flames. Who are you? I'm your wife's new lover. Her life is Secret Games. Starring Martin Hewitt, Michelle Brim, Delia Shepard, and Billy Drago as Mark Langford. Secret Games. And, um, you know, it was, I, I'd never been on set before. My call was at 5.30 p.m. I naively asked, what time do you think I'll be done shooting? <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. And they said, noon tomorrow? Probably around, probably around 8. And I went, great. So there was this guy that I was seeing, and I had just given him a key to my apartment. I later married him. But it was the very first time that I said, why don't you go wait for me in my apartment? I'll be done oh, around God. 8. And he, Oh, no. 8 a.m., not 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was before cell phones. Oh, no. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. That was not funny. <laughs> yeah, I bet he was a little pissed off. He was a little pissed off. That's he did so not funny, know though. what he got himself into. So I sort of learned the business with him. Uh, right. Yeah, it was, that, and I remember it was, we were, I was, you know, they put the makeup on me, and then they were shooting other scenes, so it's, you're waiting, and you're waiting, and now yeah. I know that the makeup doesn't really look right until it's been on your skin for 13 hours. <laughs> I didn't know that then. <laughs> When That's I was awake true. all night, and then I walked into this room, and it was lit up like it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I just, I could feel, when you feel your body clock shift and react to that yeah. daylight, you know, yeah. everything in my body suddenly snapped, too, because it's, what, what is that? Is that your circadian or whatever it is? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, totally. I just, I could feel myself responding to the quality of light coming into the room, and it felt like two o'clock in the afternoon, not four mm-hmm. thirty in the morning. Right. Were, right. Did they actually light it from outside? Yes. I uh, yeah. I envy the guys with those giant sun guns. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> back on film, you needed it though. I mean, it's like. You did. Yeah, but and, those yeah, lights lovely, needed but a it truck. Was a very much a learning process. <clears throat> mhm. Indeed. So you did um, another film called Alien Escape that I actually saw in Rio de Janeiro, believe it or not. I was down in Rio de Janeiro with Gail Harris, I believe. Uh, I believe her husband at the time uh, directed it too. 
But it was the first time I actually saw any of your films. I was down there with her, and then previously I had been down there with Julie for they have this big, um, like, a B-movie convention thing. Like, that's like a thing in Rio. Anyway, it's a great wow. little film. I know it was done on a, a, on a pretty low budget. Um, what was that film like? Are you happy with your performance in it? Uh, any fun stories from that set? Um, I never saw it. So I don't know if you I'm never happy saw with it. my performance. No, I, I never see most of my films. Um, that shoot came up right before my wedding. I mean, literally okay. like two days before my wedding. And I had to do a shower scene in it. Now, I, for my husband, I wanted to give him that special wedding night surprise of like <laughs> being completely waxed. <laughs> And so as it would turn out, the scheduling got shifted, and I ended up having to shoot a nude shower scene the day after I'd been completely waxed. You know, and I don't I was, recall. I don't, recall I don't think it that. showed, but okay. I was incredibly self-conscious. No kidding. <laughs> because nowadays, nowadays people do that, but right, again, right. This was 1995. It really, right. the, the, the full naked chihuahua was not really a thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first time I've ever heard that terminology. It'll probably be the last. <laughs> and, and, Maybe it'll catch on. And I've had two chihuahuas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's you know, so funny. Some people like that look. I do not like that look. That looks like a child to me. It does not look yeah, like a grown woman. It so doesn't. I agree. I, I, I'm all for grooming, but I like to look like an adult. Right. And, and there you go. There, yeah. But that was, you know, that was sort of a special wedding night thing. Oh, it was so embarrassing. So embarrassing. <laughs> um, I remember being covered in blue goo. I think I worked on it for just two days. Okay. I had the shower thing, and I think some at some point I was covered in this like blue goop. Yeah, and yeah. I was really tired. You know, I okay. I was I was literally my my schedule. Then I shot every day up until my wedding. So up until the mm-hmm. day before my wedding, I went, got married, went on my honeymoon, came back, and I was on set the next day. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was just yeah. You know, I was working a lot back then. Yeah, no, the 90s were great, weren't they? The 90s were great. Um, But I remember being covered in this blue goo. I had, like, sort of dead makeup on and then this blue goo. And we were shooting somewhere on a spaceship. Yeah. And I remember sort of walking back and finding, finding like, okay, nobody's back here. And there was, like, you know, the, the stunt pads, you know, the big, huge pads that the stunt guys land on. Yeah. Or yeah. something like that. And I just laid down and went to sleep. And I remember startling the heck out of people when they'd find me lying there dead and covered in blue goo. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, I've got to see this movie. I really, actually, I mean, I found myself laughing my way through it. And it was, uh, it was funny because it's in English, obviously. So I don't think half the audience understood what was going on. And uh, I was sitting there with Gail, and I'm like, this is actually pretty funny. And then I know she didn't – I remember her telling me she had only spent, like, I don't know, 
less than 100k on it. It wasn't much. So I don't know. I think I thought I think it was a good little film, and I, I you know per, obviously I like personally I like these movies, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, Jason, do you have any questions? I'm sort of like hogging the questions here. I, it just occurred to me that yeah, yeah. somebody should go through all of the old B movies from like the not all the the 80s and 90s yeah. and recut them for comedy. Yes. <laughs> Because if you take those things that were done with the absolute intention of being serious, but now make them, I mean, I think think maybe they could have a whole new life. I think somebody could probably do a whole streaming channel just on recut for comedy. Recut for comedy, yeah. Like some of the old David Hevner movies. Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember the one where he had, it was something about a giant killer penis or something? I can't recall, oh but it God. was so absurd that I, you were like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure you need to recut many of them. I think you just need to watch them again. <laughs> yeah. I, just change the music. And yeah. yeah. Like, exactly. Oh, my well, God. I mean, that, was, well, that was a big thing on a lot of the movies that guys would, would start, like their first movie. They would yeah. put in the music they thought was cool, and do it. And, and it had nothing to do with the movie itself. So, like, a, in in film school, and guys who were just fresh out of film school, especially then with the video thing being so big, everybody can make a movie. Inappropriately placed music was the biggest thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it sort of yeah. added to the ridiculousness of the scene. Some of them, like some of the old death scenes, where the guys like dying for like a minute and a half. <laughs> Oh, that, yeah. Well, I found out from a friend of mine that the music I was buying that was, you know, pre-licensed was apparently, he, he's watching the movie, he's like, dude, I, I can't take this seriously. You know, why not? He's like, I have a porn movie with this same music. <laughs> and that's the problem with buying from a library is, you know, you don't know where right. it's going to come from. Oh, and up. Oh, when yeah. I choose my yeah. music for my, my videos, because I choose mm. from a, a place where I can get it for free, just yeah. for, for giving the credit. And I mean, it's awesome. It's terrific. Kevin McLeod is is an amazing human being. Oh yeah, he's great. I've completely used his music. Yeah, and I love his descriptions of things. They crack me up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think he has a Chickaboom song. Chickaboom. Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of it has sort of a you know a cheesiness to it. Yeah. And I try to really go with that. Rather than fight I, yeah. it, rather than pretend it doesn't exist, I embrace it wholeheartedly. If I, like, I try to find, it's like, what's the cheesiest piece of music that I can find with this? So, like, if you watch my videos, you might want to do it volume way down. If I'm doing, I remember doing a video where I gave myself a pedicure. Mm-hmm. And I really... There was a product somebody sent me and they wanted and I was really resistant on wanting to do this video because I knew that it was just going to get watched by the foot fetish guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and finally, I just went, you know what? Lean into it. As Lean I'm scrubbing, it. as I'm scrubbing all the like dead stuff off my feet, it kind of has a <laughs> rhythm to it. that's like a little bit of a salsa beat. So it's like, let's just put a tango behind this whole thing. Oh my you know, god, that's it's, hilarious! It's going there anyway. Just give right? it to them. Here you go. Yeah, make it, 
they're going to make it sexual anyway. You might as well. So that's so funny. So did you know, I, did, I found this out the hard way, and Jason had told me after the fact that I did a web series on the 65-foot woman, and there's this entire group of men that want to get squashed by giant women. That's their sexual fetish. <laughs> yeah. And I that's a crossover, I that's a crossover giantess foot fetish thing. It's so weird. <laughs> Yeah. I started getting the somebody on email. Facebook who has like a giantess fetish. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a movie on Amazon that that's the whole the, the, that's the whole thing. I can't, like I it's amazing oh to me the way God. Amazon censors some of the movies, right? Yeah. Come here, baby. I'm yeah. going like, to wish you so, so hard. Yeah, exactly, Monique. What the hell? <laughs> Come here. It's like, what do you you guys remember the movies from the 90s where, you know, it was like 45 minutes of movie and 45 minutes of sex scene. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, now they're on, and now they're on Amazon and they're 52 minutes long because they're allowed to have the story and the very beginning of the sex scene and then Prime cuts it. And then right. if you want to see the whole movie, it's on regular Amazon as, you know, a rental or whatever. Oh, but these, okay. But these movies that sneak the fetish in, keep the women clothed the whole time, it's just like 90 minutes of women in bikinis stepping on people. It's <laughs> and I watched one of them where it really annoyed me was the guy had better special effects than I did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was depressed. It's so funny. It's so bizarre. I... <laughs> I'm like, how did he blow up a building? I can't afford to blow up a building. <laughs> so funny. Because all the fetish guys are donating money or something. I don't know. That, that's, yeah. It's that's, a thing, yeah. apparently. <laughs> the, These are the things that you guy? learn that you don't know about, and, and you do a YouTube video, and all of a sudden you're like, what? <laughs> well, so I know that you, you, you did Magic Funhouse. You worked on another web series with Brandon also, right? Yeah. Brandon did this other it, series called Stuff and Sam. That's it, he, Stuff and Sam. He had a... Uh, a deal with Facebook Watch to put it up there. It's also available on YouTube. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, Brandon Rogers creates all of these wacky characters. Okay. And he does all these videos on YouTube with these wacky characters. And each each video that he does, in the description, in the title, it says, in all caps, OFFENSIVE. And I yes. can guarantee you that... <laughs> If, if, if you are not offended by something in his video, you are not normal. Everything there is designed to be offensive to somebody somehow. It's like that's, that's his shtick. That's his uh, shtick. So I've worked on a couple of his videos. When he did Stuff and Sam, it was about one of his characters, uh, this, this character named Sam who is very sweet mm-hmm. and odd. And... Um, he brought in all these different characters that he's made and built this whole series about all of these different characters. But of course he can't play all of them. He does need to bring in other people. So he right. brought in a few of us from magic fun house as well as some other artists that he knows and it was really fun working on it. Uh, worked on one of them where I had to die and <laughs> you know, I had to choke to death on something and I've worked with Brandon before. So I knew what that was going to entail. It's like, you yeah. want me to chew up the dry, the dry Alka-Seltzer again, don't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you want to foam at the mouth, yeah, that's what you just do. take one tablet of, of Alka-Seltzer and a little bit of, a little sip of water, 
and chew it up, and, it, and you've got foam yeah. all over the place. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was my big thing in my werewolf movies. There's Lots like ten, there's like ten minutes of one guy just going and gargling out foam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very gritty. <laughs> it's not as unpleasant as you'd imagine. Right, right. I mean, no, I'm literally, you know, when when they presented this to me, I'm like, I'm gonna so gag on that. I am not gonna be able to handle that. But it's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Well, they have flavors now. Yeah, like exactly. you know, back, back in the day when I did it, it was just chalk. You know, was. the nice thing is, it's a, it's very chalk. Yeah, it's a cheap effect because everybody's like aunt or somebody has one in the back of their medicine cabinet somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You can always get a free Alka-Seltzer. You could, and yeah, you can always get a free one. And if if nothing else, there's one at Seven Eleven. Yeah. We just had the Karma Club uh, writer, director, and a couple of characters on. I think you're in that yeah. too, right? How I'm did I forget Karma Club? Because we were off on all sorts of other things. Yeah. I always have a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah. Um, I, I think in, in order to be a working actor, you have to have a lot of things going on. Absolutely. And they, they may not always make sense, um, and, and they may not always pay. But mm-hmm. you just keep doing stuff. Yeah. It's sort of like dating. You know, you have to be dating eight people in order to find one person that you actually want to date. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. God, I'm so glad that's over for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a numbers game. Yeah. So Karma Club, super fun. I've been wanting to work with Tara for years. But, you know, her genre is a little bit more active than my genre. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't do sword and sorcery movies. I can barely like you know. Hey, I can walk around in high heels forever, <laughs> but don't ask me to like do some sort of spin kick in them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So when she approached me about this, she's like, "What do you think? How can we make this work?" And so we just spitballed ideas and like, okay, what if, what if sort of we integrate my actual life in with the character and sort of blur that line and mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be interesting to see where we decide to take that in the future yeah it looks like an interesting series and i <clears throat> i like that it's about strong women yeah yeah um i like that it's it does feature a lot of women over the age of 30 yeah I might, exactly might even say women over the age of 40 but unfortunately, yeah. a lot of them don't want, aren't ready yet to acknowledge their age publicly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, they were pretty good it's, about it on the, on the last show. It's, you they know, were. it's an unfortunate thing in society that women still aren't really allowed to age. I'm glad that they did acknowledge it. You I'm, know, I'm I, always I, shouting my age. I am too. I, I'm, not, I'm not at all ashamed or embarrassed by my age. And I think, I do think things are starting to change a little bit. And, you know, one thing, um, this will be like, like a girl conversation for a second here, Jason. True. <laughs> so one thing, um, you know, I consider myself to be a feminist, but I'm, uh, I don't, I have a problem with uh, feminist, women that self-identify as feminists that don't understand that being a femi- feminist means you get to make decisions for yourself. The whole point of being a feminist yeah. is I get to think for myself. I get to decide for myself. And, you know, some of these women think that they can turn around and slut shame you. Because of, you know, like I was in the Fredericks of Hollywood catalog, I'm a slut. I mean, that's where they go. And it's like, yeah. no, you're not a feminist if you do that. You're missing the whole entire fucking point. 
the whole point exactly. of being a feminist, you know what I'm saying, Monique? Is that you have the choice. Exactly. I, I let my boyfriend open the car door for me. I let him open the front door for me. I sit there like I don't have arms. Yeah, that's because just chivalry. It, it makes Why him, is that a bad thing? It's, yeah. You know, I can be a feminist and allow him to open the door for me. Yeah, exactly. It makes, you know, it, it doesn't take anything away from me to make the choice to allow him to do those things that, you know, when we were brought up, that is what defines a gentleman. And right, it, right, you know, right. Well, I don't want to be a feminist and take away his manliness. Right. I, can, I mean, I it's can, about we can all be better. We can all be more. Exactly. It's about equality, and equality doesn't mean same. And for me, feminism, you know, it revolves around the idea that women get to make and decide for themselves, no matter what those choices are. A. Exactly. And B, I want to talk about gender parity. I want to talk about pay equality. Why are my male counterparts making more money than I am if I'm working longer hours on some of these some of these movies? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's the stuff that that. It's at the base of this, and I don't understand why, why, um, why, why some women don't understand that that's what it's about, where they get to this other place where they think they can judge other women for the choices that they made. I, this really kind of seems bothersome to me. I don't know if that's it really, how you I, see it. I absolutely agree. Yeah. I had a woman who criticized my Instagram because she thought yeah. <laughs> that I was, you know, she thought that somehow I should only be talking to women and that I shouldn't have. She criticized the fact that I showed a picture of my hands and feet. Really? She said, You're appealing to the foot fetishes. I'm showing oh, a manicure and a pedicure. That's you know, just and, some and, weird, like, puritanical, can't deal with what yeah. sex is sort of thing. That, that sort of, and deep, I was like, it's Did so you ingrained in the American culture. Yeah. And I, I just responded, you know. Did you just tell another woman? what she can or cannot post on her own account because it right. somehow offends you. Yeah, and I'll post right. whatever I want. As you should. You have agency. You know, and that just, that just makes me want to post a bikini picture. Right? That's exactly right. You know, I swear, I get into these weird political arguments on Twitter, and, and Jason's seen this. I have a political <laughs> and I still think and, we should buy that website. <laughs> we should buy that website. And it's shocking to me, like, that that women will get pissed off, and the the first place they'll go to is like, oh well, look at your fucking movies. You're just a B movie whore or a slut. Yeah. How could you be like you know? And you're just like, are you fucking kidding me with this? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's are you my fucking body. kidding me with this? It's my it's choice. It's my body. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. Why does that take you away can, from anything you else can I've done do in my life? what you want with your body? Exactly. I won't judge you. Exactly. If you want to, you know. If you exactly. want to wear those unattractive shoes with those polyester pants, you can go right ahead. <laughs> exactly. And you're right. You know, and it's your body. It's your, and I don't understand why, uh, you know, I, I feel like if women sort of reframed what's in their minds, this to me is like outward society pushing in on them. They've been told they're either uh, an, an angel or a whore for so long that they sort of self want to self-identify with being an angel because that's what they're supposed to be, and they don't understand that we're both of those things as women, and there's nothing wrong with either of them. Like this idea being that both that's at like the a, same that's time, a paternalistic. Absolutely. 
yeah, that is a male-dominated spot of women, and it certainly didn't originate with women. So why are they playing that game? I just don't understand it. You know, and I, I don't I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm a super leftist. Like an, I'm an uber leftist. And one thing that really angers me is when I see people attack Melania Trump for the choices she's made as a model. It's like, do not slut shame any women. I don't care yeah. what side of the political aisle. You are wrong to do that. It's a gross thing to do. Stop. You know? Yes. No, really, the uh, only thing she should so be ashamed wrong. of is her taste in men. Well, um, I mean, the thing is, she's got her own personal hell that she's going through right now. I agree. I agree. Her life cannot be fun. It cannot be pleasant. And people will say, oh, but she knew what she was getting into. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. so far surpassed anything that she might have imagined. She may have had some idea of what she was getting into, but nobody could have imagined this piece of work. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you know, I honestly I think he was a different person 20 years ago. And it really bothers me because these are folks that, for the most part, these are folks that self-identify as quote-unquote liberals that are supposed to be for equality. They're supposed to have these various values, and they're not living up to those values when they behave in this manner. They're being hypocrites, if that's what they exactly. actually believe in, you know? Yeah. Very frustrating. Anyway, I kind of went on a tangent there. <laughs> well, we always get po- we always get political at least once, you know. It's, 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 not, it's, it's not a day worth living if you don't have at least one or two tangents. It, right. It's a good way to tie it into your other show, you know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. So, what? Anything you want to plug um, besides your uh, YouTube series? Is there anything else that you're working on that you want to get out there into the world that you want to talk about? Oh, let's see. I'm. Not really prepared to talk a lot about this right now. I just started okay. shooting well, a you'll new have to come web back series. On the show then. I will. Right on. I just started new, doing a new web series with a girlfriend of mine who is a well-established actress, Devin Mills, mm-hmm. and okay. uh, we are doing a comedy, which is basically just two women sitting around drinking a glass of wine or martini or nice. margarita or whatever alcohol <laughs> falls in our hand on that day and we just hang out and shoot the shit and we're making like little three minute videos about different subjects that we touch on nice most of which are going to be you know a, about our age women women over the age of 50 women over 40 right. over 50 you know somewhere in this demographic you know, those of us who, there seems to be a lot of shows out there for young moms. Yeah. But what about empty nesters? People have moved past yeah. that. Right. You know, your kids are grown. Your, your life is different now. You're, you're pondering retirement or, you know, somewhere within the next 10 years that may be coming up. And just, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to touch on sexual health. We're going to touch on, you know, family vacations in the 70s. (laughs) We're going to touch on all sorts of things that is just sort of going to be really relatable to women of our age. I don't know. I think two women in a bottle of tequila is probably going to get funnier. Uh, All right. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, So that's, that's called meat and wine. And, Separately from that, I am planning for my YouTube channel, I'm planning to start doing a live stream. I'm going to do once 
I'm going to do a once a week live stream and I'm ca- I'm planning on calling it BYOB with right. week or whatever or something like that. Uh, but it's really, it's unscripted, it's unplanned, it's I'm going to just hang out and open up a bottle of wine. If people got questions, bring them. And if not, I'll just ramble. Fun. Because I, I, can, I can ramble. Yep. You may have noticed that. <laughs> so can I. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just turn on the camera and start talking. If no questions come, if nobody tunes in, that's fine. I'll just go for an hour and drink more. Um, somebody, if somebody wants to subscribe um, to your Twitter or your Twitter, your YouTube channel, where do they go? And also, do you have a Twitter? Uh, we want to make sure all your fans can get in touch with you and yes. follow your show. I have uh, my Twitter. It's at Monique Parent. Okay. And same with Instagram. It's at Monique Parent. Okay. My YouTube. This is funny. I hope it's funny. Maybe it's funny. Maybe it's not funny. Uh, my YouTube <laughs> is this word T I E. M-E-S-I-S, which has been pointed out to me, looks like tiny sis. <laughs> yeah, that was taking me a second to decipher. It is not tiny sis. When I first created my, my YouTube, I didn't know what I wanted to call it. I couldn't think of anything. And I remember at that, a lot of times people would refer to me as the thinking man's sex symbol. <laughs> so... I just took the initials for the thinking man sex symbol, T-M-S-S. That's funny. And I just gave it a phonetic pronunciation, T-M-S-S. Right. Okay. There you go. 